Vlad Veritas today on the Equipping Podcast. Um, we want to talk to you first about books and movies. Books Jake, and movies. We like books and we like movies. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I like movies more than I like books, <laughs> but I do like them both. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jake and, and Matthew, I want to hear from you guys one book and one movie that maybe you liked recently, you, you watched, you read, whatever. That we'd want to endorse. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like, hey, you should read this or you should watch this. Okay. That's yeah. a good caveat. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, this is the part where I feel like super uncultured because I, I get out not very often. And so the movie part I feel really weak at. And I mean, really embarrassed because it just makes you seem like you're super spiritual. You're like, I don't watch movies. Oh, I'm yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I yes. Take that away from this. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I want. Um, what's kind of embarrassing, in our household, uh, we just watched the movie UHF <laughs> two what nights movie? ago. UHF? Have you guys seen that movie? Oh, you went way back. That's oh, like way Weird back. Al. Weird 88, Al, yeah. 89. Yeah, Weird Al. Uh, there, that's all you need to know. Strong recommendation for Weird Al, uh, for Matthew Morgan. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah maybe. <laughs> Jake, what do you what do you watch recently? I'll give you a movie that I... I think everybody should watch. Like I, I geek out over yeah. like Lord of the Rings. I'm, I'm, I look like a normal guy, but I'm like one step away from wearing an elf costume to the theater. There, <laughs> I love those movies so much. Um, just the friendship, the mission. The, like I, I get into those movies. But the one movie that I think got me most excited uh, was The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Yeah, have you seen that? I love that man. The Sound message, title. oh, the soundtrack is great too, but the message, I don't want to spoil the movie, but the idea of like, uh, we get to this thinking like, I got to have this adventurous life, I got to do this, and that's what makes me meaningful and important, but the kind of the s- simple serving behind the scenes is beautiful, Yeah, and that's not a message you see in, often in movies, and it was so creative, I, I, love, I love the movie. Okay, did you ever read the short story that that was based off of? No. It's, the short story is really depressing, no. don't read it. It's it's basically just like, yeah, this guy's life is kind of a bummer, and he just escapes into a fantasy world all the time. <laughs> so the movie is much better, and well worth your time. Yeah, which is the general principle, uh, watch the movie, don't read the book, right? <laughs> That's what they're always saying, yeah. <laughs> That's what my, my daughter would say the opposite, but I say, the book ruins the movie, right? <laughs> I read a book recently called Range. That's kind of this like journalist, pop psychology, culture book, whatever. But the the basic argument is that we've kind of been told you have to really specialize and focus and like be Tiger Woods from a young age. And the guy's point was basically like, actually, that's that's a really neat story, but that's not reality. And a lot of people discover more of what they want to do or how they're wired through the process of life. And so it was just kind of, hey, take the pressure off. Like, you're not behind, whatever. And I processed that with my wife because she's really creative, really talented, not doing what she went to school for in college, but just continues to develop as a person and find things she's gifted at and enjoys. And so just kind of take the pressure off. Like, it'll be fine. Just keep being faithful where you're at. And it's not a Christian book, but I thought it was really fun. Yeah. Also, the pandemic's been hard for movies, but Tenant. You guys seen that one? Yeah, no, I haven't. Oh. Because everybody loved Inception. That was the guy's last yeah, movie. Yeah, a couple and of years. Yeah. I, or yeah, a while back. Wait, is it along the lost. lines of? I was like, <laughs> okay, they're in a dream of a dream of a dream. And then exactly. they said Tenet was more confusing. I was like, I don't know. if I, I, I do want to watch it. Is it along I, the lines of Inception? No, not exactly. It's it's the kind of thing that will mess with your brain, but it's it's an action movie, but it's an action movie dealing with kind of a weird time travel thing. All right. It's fun. 
That's why I'm gonna go see. I'm gonna go get cultured. There you go. I, I have a target to go to. Uh, I love that. Uh, book wise for me, um, there's there's one that was super helpful, and one that just kind of fed my soul yeah. most recently. Super helpful was. Um, um, Oh, now I'm, I should have brought the books because I'd blank on the title. But Thaddeus Williams wrote a book called um, "Like Defending or Justice Without Compromising Truth," uh, something like that, and just kind of framing the issue of social justice right now um, from a biblical worldview, uh, celebrating what's good of it and critiquing what's bad of it was really helpful. And then. Um, Gentle and Lowly uh, is a book that I'm reading slowly right now because I just how amazing God's grace is mm. and in a refreshing way. So it's been it's great. Yeah. Was that your vacation reading, social justice stuff? No, no. My vacation reading was uh, that Gaining by Losing book that you gave me oh, sure. to read and then a Multi-Church, which talks about different strategies for campuses, congregation, um so those were my vacation days. <laughs> well, speaking of the, the social justice stuff, the main kind of meaty subject we want to talk about today, sort of the, the title of the topic is Navigating Racial Reconciliation. And there, there's a lot to unpack, even just with those three words, particularly navigating, not solving, mm-hmm. right? But just elephant in the room a little bit. I mean, we're three white guys in the Midwest. Some people would say, well, who are you to, to talk about this, mm-hmm. right? That maybe even some folks listening in our church would go, hey, can I talk about this if I haven't, if I'm not experiencing some of these things? Jake, how would you just set that up for us? If, if someone's got that question, like, why are we talking about this? Yeah, that's super observant of you, that we are three white guys. <laughs> that, is, that is a true statement. I think there's a critique on, one, are we out of bounds, like talking about things that we know nothing of? And I, I would say there is some tension to live in there. Like, we don't have some experiences that our African-American brothers and sisters do. So I do think, like anything, we should approach the topic with a level of humility and seeking understanding. Where you could take it too far is the idea that um, truth is not accessible beyond a certain gender or race or ethnicity, and we think truth is found in Scripture, and we can go there and and it's sufficient. It's the same argument that would say, like, men have no right to speak on abortion issues. It's like, no, I think that the truth of the value of life lies outside of just that that gender. So um, we're going to talk as Christians, um, looking at this issue um, biblically, and like you said, navigate. We're not solving any problem. Jesus Christ is the solution, and that will come. Um, but how do we navigate this issue as Christians, um, and hopefully um, we can do this with a level of humility, um, knowing that, okay, we haven't necessarily personally experienced uh, racism in that sense that some of our brothers and sisters have. Um, I know in my own story, I was a member of an African-American church in college. I was a member of a um, Korean church in Chicago. Um, I pastored a small-town church in Manchester, Iowa. I pastored a a large suburban church in the Phoenix area. So just being in different contexts has really shaped some of my thinking on it um, in that sense. And as we we talk navigating, 
And I hope even just Veritas, as you're listening to this, I hope you feel more equipped that, and there's not this one solution that you just haven't heard yet, but that as Christians, we do navigate these waters culturally. And, and some of the things that we're, we're going to process together, hopefully we'll give you tools even to navigate other issues in our society and culture. Totally. And I think as pastors of this church, we're saying, this is something that a lot of voices are speaking into. So as some of your pastors, we, we want to provide our voice into this context. Hopefully it's helpful in navigating it. I think I think one thing important to remember that, you know, even as you think of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, like race issues didn't exist before God created. And so coming in on the through the lens of biblical truth and trying to address it rather than through an opinion that may have existed forever. And it, it hadn't, there's, there was a beginning and in Genesis chapter three, it perverted our view of people and, uh, that's where it starts. And so coming in with biblical truth, that's how we can speak into some things like this. Yeah. So, so using that idea of navigating, right? If you're walking through territory, that's a little bit tricky. It can feel like with this particular issue, there are some landmines Mm -hmm that are difficult to talk about or even can harm us and, and stop us from kind of walking through the terrain. What are some of the, the landmines that you think as a church we just need to be aware of? Yeah, that right now our country is growing polarizations. Extremes are kind of getting more to the edges. Everything's political. Everything's heated. Um just as a caution for level-headedness, <laughs> wisdom uh, would be to avoid the extremes. And in this in- instant, I think the extremes are racism is everywhere and everything. And on the other side, racism isn't a problem and doesn't exist. Like if you find yourself in one of those extremes, you should take caution and back up and, and, and reapproach this issue. So I'd say avoid the extremes. You don't get kind of pulled into that. And with that, racism is sin. It's a it's a perversion of looking at someone else and saying, hey, this person is less valuable because of their skin color, culture, whatever. But yeah, the biblical truth, Matthew, that you pointed out is all people are made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And that from that, we understand that they have value and dignity and worth because of God, not mm-hmm. because of what they look like or what they wear or whatever. And yet... To, to say that sin doesn't exist anymore would be silly, but to say that everything looks like one particular sin yeah. is, is also a little bit off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What, are, what are the landmines we got? I think in the issue of desiring a good thing, like our last podcast when we talked about the idolization of love your neighbor, like this is a good thing. It perhaps, it, what's the second greatest thing? Well, what happens when the second becomes the first? Yeah. Then you thing. I think diversity is a good thing. It's a God-honoring thing. The kingdom of God is diverse. Well, what happens when the pursuit of diversity becomes an ultimate thing? You begin to shift your priorities. So I would say, like, what does it look like to desire a good thing, but not let that good thing become an ultimate thing? Um, When the pursuit of diversity is the mission, uh, I think we're off on something. Often something in a way that actually hurts even diversity. And mm. uh, my opinion would be that when diversity becomes the focus, you just perpetuate division because mm. all you're focusing on are our differences, our diversity. Um, when Christ is the focus, you you foster unity. Uh, one example I, I see that in scriptures. You look at Revelation seven. And you're saying you have every tribe, tongue, and nation together. That's a picture of God's universal church. 
you know, that's what we should strive for. And part of it's like, yes, and amen. Like, well, one, it's heaven. Like, we'll get there, and it'll be complete. And the kingdom of God even now is diverse. Local congregations maybe not as diverse as as um, as the kingdom of God is going to be. But you can look at Revelation 7 and say, that's what we should strive for. And I would say, yes and amen. What are they doing in Revelation 7? Nobody's looking at each other. They're all worshiping Christ. And that's the foundation of our unity, when we worship the same God and Savior. But when you turn and say, like, we need to fight for diversity, therefore let's focus on diversity, you end up just kind of going against your own goal of perpetuating divisions. But when you make Christ the focus, and you're saying, we're ministering to people despite their ethnicity because our unity is in Christ, you'll all of a sudden find yourself like, oh, I, I have, these are family, these are brothers and sisters. So I think the pursuit of, of Christ is the aim. Diversity is a byproduct when you apply those things. So getting the value of diversity out of bounds um, can be a problem. And I, I struggle saying that because I don't want people to overact and say like, oh, diversity is not important. I'm like, no, 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 it's extremely important. It's just not the priority. And when you don't keep the priority, the priority, you have all other kinds of problems that follow. You're more likely to lose the thing that you're going for because you, you tried to get there the wrong way. Yeah. 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 Tony Evans talked about, um, finding unity. His illustration was like, when you're in a foxhole at war, you don't care what color the person is next to you as long as they're shooting in the same direction. And in the military, you talk about brotherhood. Like, you're trusting your life with other people. And the value, I mean, the importance of what color skin they are goes down because they're shooting in the same direction. Too often in the church, it's like, are we shooting in the same direction? Is everybody trying to live for the glory of God and spread the gospel when you're all on the same mission, you're going to feel like teammates. You're going to feel like you're going to have unity. And I think for those of us of the majority culture, it will be easier to love and empathize with brothers and sisters from different backgrounds when we're focused on Jesus and his love for us and for them. Like if we're shooting in the same direction and someone's shot next to me, that, that's going to change how I respond to them, mm-hmm. right? Because, totally. Because we're on the same team. Yeah. I was just thinking about what you were saying about diversity when you when you focus on that, then you start having problems with it. And it's not unlike other things that we deal with in life. If you're going to run a marathon for the first time in your life, you're going to have trouble with your legs. Like, well, I'm actually trying to run a marathon. Why am I having so much trouble with my body and my legs, you know? And so when you focus on it or when you want to turn your car into a race car and you want to start racing it, well, then you start like focusing on that car and then you start seeing flaws in that car. So when you just turn your eyes and focus on this um, you mentioned Revelation. I think in Colossians 3, Paul tells us, like, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. And so as you're out fighting the war and shooting in the same direction, that direction that you're aiming for is Christ. Now, again, when you focus on Christ, it'll create some tensions, but in Him is the greatest form of reconciliation that you can ever have. Mm-hmm. Okay, so w- one landmine you're saying is kind of this... Um, putting a good thing in the wrong place. Yeah. Diversity and and those things are, are good things, but if we make that the goal as opposed to the worship of Jesus together, it maybe robs us the ability to get to get mm-hmm. there. What other landmines are we, are we seeing? I mean, just an overvaluing of unity. Like Again, that's another... Like, unity is a good thing. Like, Jesus prays for our unity in John 17, that we would be one, that we'd be united. Um, 
But an overvalue of unity thinks like that is the highest goal. Mm. Jesus also promised division. Division even among your own family, I think in Luke 12. It's like, you follow me, like it's going to cause conflict. So our pursuit of unity, yes, what is our unity based on? Not our ethnicity. Um, it's based on, on Christ and our conclusions of him and our faith in him. So if unity is the ultimate goal, we'll end up sacrificing the foundation our unity should be built on. Unity for unity's sake, as opposed to unity around Jesus and yeah. his kingdom, his lordship. Yeah, his like if I, I should have unity with uh, someone else who claims Jesus as their savior and God, no matter if they're Asian, African-American, Indian, like that's what our unity is based on. But as a white person... Um, another white person who doesn't claim Christ, we're going to have some division on like foundational things that we think life is about. That That's a really provocative point because I do think we can feel more like we're on the same team with someone who follows the Cubs as opposed to the White Sox or who would have this particular political sign in the yard versus that one. Or, or even, I mean, one that comes to mind, we're not going to go down the rabbit trail is like, Blue Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. Like, do I feel more unified with the person who says the same slogan as me mm-hmm. or the person who is the same Lord as me? Mm-hmm. We, we, can, we can break ourselves down in different tribes and totally miss the king that's yeah. over all those. Okay, Jake, there's a lot of information out there, whether it's books, speakers, podcasts, whatever, trying to help us figure out how to either solve or navigate whatever this issue I know you and the elders of Veritas have read a lot of different books from different perspectives. What are some of the, the ways that you filter these things? Like, can you equip us a little bit as we're engaging with this information? What filters should we have to help us um, maybe not get swept in the wrong direction? Yeah, I, my temptation is to be like, this book is good. This book is not good. This book is helpful. This book is not helpful. But I don't want to do that because I think we all need to be trained to read watch, listen, think through a biblical lens um, to guide us. So I just, I came up with three questions as I was reading through all kinds of books in this, of like contemporary books that are trying to speak to this issue in this time period. I found three questions that were helpful in helping me filter out what I was reading. And the first one was just, um, am I getting more Bible or more sociology? Like, what, what is this author giving me? Are they giving me scripture to kind of make their point, defend their point, or are they just giving me a lot of sociology on it? Now, sociology is good. That's good. Um, all truth is God's truth, right? But all, not all truth is God's word. Mm-hmm. And we're, we want God's word. What does God say in, in his scriptures that speak to this issue? So I want sociology. I want those statistics. I want history. I want to know those information, but if it's so dominant that way, and I feel like, oh, you threw a verse in there, that was a filter that's like, eh, my, my guard goes up, or a flag goes up on that. So first question was, is it more Bible or more sociology? Second question was, uh, is this person, do I feel like they're promoting unity or stirring division? Like, it is, is there, am I coming out of this, like, they're wanting unity between uh, different ethnicities, or is it more stirring up division? Um, and that kind of parallels with the third question: is is this is the tone hopeful or angry? Now, there's righteous anger, and there's things that should anger us. Racism is a grievous sin, and the things that have happened 
uh, not only in this country in recent history, but throughout world history, mm-hmm. dishonors God mm-hmm. and should tick us off. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at Old Testament prophets, like we should rip our clothes and just like mm-hmm. there are things when you when you let your mind contemplate what was done to another image bearer of God because of their color of sin, it should make you angry. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to discount anger there, but is the tone hopeful or is it just more angry? Because even throughout Scripture, when we see grievous sin, what the gospel brings to heartache is hope, mm-hmm. and we want to see that. And maybe one question as you're listening to this is, do I have a filter? Have I been mm. even asking like how to process inf- this information? Because, Jake, as you're saying that, I'm trying to think through some of the books that I've I've read or listened to or whatever, and... And there are definitely times where, yeah, it sounded like a good book. It was interesting, so I picked it up and didn't necessarily process, like, am I asking questions about this? And and this applies to us as Christians, right, whether we're watching the news, listening to the radio, reading books, but especially with issues that are so um, polarized, that, that there's so much information, so many books being written on. Do I have a filter? And if so, am I am I filtering it mm. well? I think those three questions are really helpful. Right. No, knowing even your own presuppositions coming into it to to know your own sinfulness heart. Like if I'm trying to investigate this issue as a as a white person, um, do I? I don't want to just find something that I want somebody to tell me. Like it could be convenient if I just find an author to tell me like, ah, oh, it's not really not a problem. It's not something you should worry about. Like that's feeding my own sinfulness. Um, so you have to say like, what do, how do I avoid things that I just want somebody to tell me um, and really look for the truth of the issue? And reading with community can be helpful with mm-hmm. filters. Maybe my filter isn't as well-developed as it should be in one category. Getting other godly and mature brothers and sisters in Christ to read with you and to process those things is a, is helpful if you're if you're going oh I don't know if I have enough of a filter letting other people that trust Jesus and and are following him help you with that I think is a, is an advantage yeah. too um reading minorities on the issue now um even among that category you're going to have minorities that disagree um and reading both sides and perspectives to see like when they're what conclusions are they coming to i think with with your reading plan too as you read through i mean there's so much fear to read a book um that you may not agree with and it can be a really healthy place to read the book don't scrap your bible reading plan um you know go to those places and sniff out truth but to be able to go in there is not the end of the world and and just see perspectives and realize that people are coming at things from a different angle that you don't know and learn what you can learn from them, sift it, and um, grow in a, that area. Mm-hmm. And as you're listening to this, guys, we've we've had books in the Resource Center for the last number of years now. I'm, yeah. I'm even thinking, like, since I've, since I've been on staff coming up on five years, every, every so often we've got a different book that's helping tackle issues like this from authors we trust. We're not trying to give you, like, these are the only books, but to help develop your filter, too. Mm-hmm. So we just had one called A Biblical Answer to Racial Unity. I think that's right, Jake. Yeah. Um, just be watching, too, as those come through. Um, this isn't the only conversation we're having on this. This is just part of discipleship. So next time a book comes up, check it out and continue to, to process and develop your filter as well. Mm. So Jake, in the spirit of equipping us, I, I know there's so much we could talk about, so many different landmines, rabbit trails, whatever, but 
for just for equipping us, what what do we do with this as as we're trying to navigate these conversations? As we're trying to become more mature disciples, how how do we walk forward in whatever we got? Yeah, I I want I don't want people to overlook the simple little things that make a big difference. Um, so one, I would say, be proactive and intentional in your relationships. Uh, sometimes it's it's easy to go to a church and be like, I want my church to be more diverse. My church has a problem. Um, but an institution reflects its individuals. Uh, and I would say, you need, as your friendships, is there diversity in your friendships? If not, proactively pursue that. Um, it's good. Uh, it reflects the body of Christ in our own relationships. So uh, be relational. Uh, when you have a friend that is a different ethnicity, you start to see things differently because it's not just an issue out there. It's, oh, somebody I love and care for Mm -hmm. is walking through this. So first and foremost, I mean, just make friendships, be, have diversity in your friendships. Um, the other thing is, uh, not to over or simplify it, but be a Christian. (laughs) And (laughs) what I mean by that is, um, the power of the fruit of the Spirit, um, kindness, patience, gentleness, uh, self-control, goodness, love, joy, peace, those things are huge in dealing with this issue. Um, we need to display fruit uh, in our lives and fruit to other people. Um, what this issue needs is more people to show patience, more she people to show kindness, more people to show love and self-control. So I think your own abiding in Jesus has a huge impact on your relationships um, with that. So seek godliness, personal godliness, um, prioritize it. It does affect this issue. Uh, we know as Christians we're not supposed to be ruled by anger or fear. So I would check yourself as saying, like, am I being just ruled by anger in this? Or am I being ruled by fear in that? Like, we don't, we don't walk in fear. Um, we don't live in anger. That's not what we're called to. And, and when we see our hearts ruled by anger or fear, we repent, right? We don't try to hide or try to, try to prove that we're better than we used to be. But we, we look at our Savior and go, yeah, Jesus, this is, this is the exact kind of sin you died for. Mm-hmm. And throw ourselves back on his grace because he's the one that deals with our hearts. So, so if I'm angry about some people out there being whatever, you know, political or whatever, or if I even look at my own heart and go, oh, I haven't treated other people as image bearers, maybe because of their politics or because of their race or because of whatever, I repent and I turn back to my Savior and he died for that sin. Yeah. The, the other side is this may upset people, but I would challenge people to value private acts of godliness, especially on a social issue where we live in a world of social media, virtue signaling, like posting something on Facebook that you've done or a book you've read or things that you believe, and then you just move on. You can feel good about that, but it doesn't necessarily help. Um, And when Jesus warns us about public displays of righteousness like um, he tells us not to do something just to be seen by other people but you know go in your room shut the door and pray uh, because your father sees you 
or you know don't let your left hand know what your right hand's given like your father sees this and i would say as christians like live first and foremost before the father and it may not be posting something on social media and no one else may know about it but what does your prayer life look like are you praying for unity are you praying for uh justice um, that matters. Do you have a friend as um, a minority that you just take out to coffee and say, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Um, nobody else may know about that, but that kind of friendship is what we're called to. And I think we've all seen times where somebody posted something just trying to express an opinion and it went south. It went sideways. It, it went somewhere bad. And I think there's there's a lot of wisdom for us as believers in just kind of opting out of the rage cycle of social media. Mm. And, and even if you're saying something that you think is really true and helpful, like it, it could be interpreted a way that's, that's not helpful at all. And we're not living for, you know, just to make sure we're never misinterpreted. But I mean, to your point, Jake, like your father sees your, your private prayers and your private acts of mm. godliness. Nobody else needs to. And in fact, if you try to display those, like you're, yeah, you might get the treasure of people's opinions and miss your treasure in heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think bottom line for our people, the desire is, like, what what can the church bring to the solution? Like, one, we have a hope that we have already been united. Like, the walls of hostility have been torn down in Jesus Christ. We have to have a positional unity start to be more of a practical unity. And as we struggle with that, in sin, we know that that ultimately will be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So we live in hope that racism doesn't win, Jesus wins. Um, And then whether you're black, white, Latino, Asian, whatever, we're first and foremost Christians. Mm -hmm. And if the fruit of the Spirit can be prevalent in our life, that's the best thing we can bring to, to, to this issue. Veritas, we love you. We know that these are the kinds of issues that maybe you personally have been wrestling with or you've been just kind of shut down because you don't know how to navigate it. We hope as a church this isn't just the one time <laughs> we're, we're trying to address these things with you, but it's part of your maturity, your maturing, and your mission. And it would be incredible if we as a, as a group of people were so in love with Jesus and worshiping Him that our church looked like that, that Revelation 7 picture, because we're gathering together to worship him, we're in the same foxhole, and the world would look in at us and go, you guys seem to be handling this different than the rest of us. What do you have that, that we're missing out? And we would get to continue to point towards Jesus. That's going to show up in your private godliness. That's going to show up in your prayer life. It's going to show up in the fruits of the Spirit in your life and the Spirit in which we navigate these issues together. So we love you. We're going to keep coming back to Jesus with you because he really does have the answer. And we hope this sparks some good conversation with you guys where we together can grow in our love for our Savior and our maturity as we walk with him. Thanks for thanks for chatting through this today, guys. I've got some good stuff to think about and maybe some movies to watch. <laughs>